I don't think it's a natural thing. I think it starts off being, I want to do these things, so I'm going to set them out. One, two, three, four, five, or backwards from where you're going. And then you start off with one, and you do two, and you do three, and then something else happens. And then you go off in some other direction. And and I see this in myself and my clients all the time. Completion is just not natural. What happens when project management and the creative process collide? You know, I think we expect a mess, a gnarly pileup of missed deadlines, unrealistic task lists, and artistic prerogative. But what if the creative process was manageable? What if there was a way to do your best creative work while also honoring your commitments to the more objective pieces of your project? That's the question we're asking today. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that transcends the hype to bring you candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today. Managing the creative process is exactly what my guest, Joelle Han, does. Joelle is the founder of Brooklyn Book Doctor. She works with authors to help them complete their book projects, whether it's crafting the proposal or completing the manuscript. Her job is to be as much creative partner as it is project manager. After Joelle and I wrapped up our conversation, she told me the human element is a huge piece of the puzzle. And honestly, if you listen for this idea throughout this interview, I think you'll see what she means. Joelle has become a master of managing for the human element in the creative process. And while Joelle has to manage the human element with her clients, we have to do this for ourselves every day. I believe that all business owners are creatives in one way or another, whether your version of creativity is expressed in product development, code, design, marketing, or management, you are creative. And that means we're tasked with managing the human element. And by the human element, I mean us (laughs) in the creative process each day. It's the reason we can fail so epically at developing systems, documenting our work, or shipping new work. It's the reason we can expect a team to follow our procedures while ignoring them ourselves. And it's the reason why the technology we use and the way we approach that technology can make such a difference in whether we follow through on the work or not. Be sure to listen to this conversation for not only some ideas on working with your customers or clients, but for working with yourself too. Joelle and I talk about the tools she uses to manage different types of writing projects, what she's learned about managing projects for creative people, and how her project management system blossomed into its own offer for working clients through the book proposal process. Now, let's find out what works for Joelle Han. Joelle Han, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start off uh, by having you share the different ways that you work with authors. Yes, so I work with authors in several different ways. I work with people one-on-one. That's been how I've worked with them traditionally. And really that started off with book editing and then became ghostwriting and then became coaching and now has become classes, group classes, small group classes, people. Gotcha. And so what, what all of that are you still doing? I know you have the book proposal (laughs) Academy. Are you still coaching? Are you still doing editing and ghostwriting as well? Yeah, I'm still doing everything. Um, except ghostwriting. I just hesitated to say that because actually was ghostwriting this summer. So that is still part of what I'm doing. But there has been a bit of a shift in my thinking about what I do. So I'm focusing on the group classes, the editing and the coaching and the editing has become 
more of a selective thing that I do. So I take on a really high level project that I'm really excited about doing rather than taking on everything that comes my way and Mm -hmm. focusing more on my group classes and my coaching, because that's where I'm finding that most people have the need is to come in at that level. And then I can really select the books that I want to work on at the higher level. Okay, great. That is a perfect segue then into my next question. Let's start with editing. And then I want to kind of move through the other pieces of your business model. Um, It sounds like editing is probably one of the more sort of project management intensive pieces that you do. Like, I can't even imagine everything that you must have to think about when you're approaching a manuscript and how you're going to not only, you know, make sure the the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, but make sure it makes sense. Make sure that the ideas are getting across in a way that is, you know, as helpful as possible and as fluid as possible. So can you walk us through how you manage an engagement like full on editing a book? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, there's a distinction between the kinds of ed- kind of editing that I do and kinds of editing that are out there mm-hmm. to be done. So what I generally do is what's called developmental editing. This is my favorite thing to do. And it's high level editing work where I'm looking at does the idea work in this book? Is it developing through the whole book? And how can it be improved? And along the way, I'm dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but that's not really my focus. Mm -hmm. That will come later for a copy editor and then a proofreader. And I know there's quite a lot of confusion out there about what an editor does, or actually, why would people even know that there's different roles for different (laughs) kinds of editors? I mean, it's very much in the industry, and it's uh, sort of specialized knowledge. But what I do, and my favorite thing to do, is to really approach things from an idea level. So when I get a manuscript, typically I get a manuscript from a publisher. It's not the only way that I get them. Sometimes editor um, authors will hire me directly, but I like to get them from the publisher because it means that they're going to be published and they've gone through a certain level of development already before I get them. So I'm working with something that's already been thought about. And that's, that's great for me. And also that means it, it can still require a lot of work. So when I get the manuscript, I often ask for the proposal also so I can see what the author was aiming for. And I'll talk to the publisher too and ask them what they're aiming for. And then I will look at what they said in the proposal. And often in the proposal, there will be competitive titles. So what do they think the book is kind of like? Mm. And then I put all of that aside So I'm filling my head with, okay, here are the general parameters of the book. Then I put all of that aside and I read the manuscript. And I can be very slow, I have to say, with that. Because (laughs) what has to happen for me is I have to really... I have to really feel my way into the book. So this is where it's really not technical at all, where it's very... uh, It's relying on all my years of reading, all my years of editing, and... Um, my intuitive sense of what has to happen in this book. So it's not woo-woo at all, um, but it does need that kind of overtone of what is actually trying to happen here that's not actually happening. So I'll read through the manuscript sometimes two or three times, and then I will make a lot of notes to myself. And often those notes will come as I'm reading, like a sudden flash, this has to happen in this section. Oh, this section over here in chapter five actually needs to be in chapter one. What they actually think they're trying to say is this thing, but they're not saying it yet. 
So somehow we've got to work this in. And then I'll go back to the author and we'll have a conversation. And I'll say, this is what I think. And this is what my plan is. What do you think? And we'll have a conversation for that. So we start at this real, really uh, scale back macro level. I'm really looking at it from not from a technical point of view at first, but really like what could happen here. And then together, the author and I make a plan for how we're going to revise. And that's when we get into timeline. And that's when we get into deadlines. And that's when we get into how do you like to work? This is how I like to work and try to figure out how we're going to go forward together. So I try to be collaborative as possible because obviously it's someone else's baby. It's their dream. It's very, very important to them. And I want them to be a part of the process as well and feel comfortable in it. At the same time, I have a vision for how it can go forward and develop. And, uh, and oft, often there is kind of a vision that is like knocking on my door saying like, I want to be this. This is the kind of book that I want to be. This is what I'm trying to be. So I'm trying to respect all of this at the same time. And then we get into process. From there. Okay, sweet. So let's get into the process piece in just a second. But first, uh, just because I I want to try and get like as much nitty gritty detail in this series on project management that we're doing as possible. When you say you're taking notes and like you're looking for where this piece of the book needs to move and how this idea needs to shift, how are you taking those notes? What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it can be really my scrawled handwriting on the manuscript. I like to read on paper um, because I find if I read only on screen, obviously I'm going to read on screen too, but if I only read on screen, I'm going to miss something. So I need to read in both manners. And at first I like to read on paper. So I read on paper, I make notes in the margins. And then sometimes if I'm getting a lot of ideas as I'm reading, I will switch to a Word doc or a Google doc and start keeping my notes there. And mm. then what can happen is that I can start organizing them. Okay. Like I see that this theme needs to be developed. So then all my notes are related to that theme will go under that section and so on. Uh, it's an organic process for me and it's really basic. It's really simple and I actually really need that, uh, pen to paper action first to get my brain going in the right direction. So at first it stays really simple. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. That is very helpful. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that idea of like, kind of having to get the the motion and the tactile piece of the puzzle going so that your brain is really engaged in the project. All right, let's get into the process piece of things. Can you walk us through how the rest of the engagement goes? Once you've read the manuscript, once you've taken those notes, how do you manage the process of actually working with the author to make those revisions? Yeah. So the great thing about the books that I work on is that we're on a deadline and deadlines help a lot because the creative process can really go on forever. So I will, once we have agreed, the author and I have agreed on what we're doing, then I will work backwards from our deadline and say, okay, it's due May 1st. So by April 1st, we have to be here. March 1st, we have to be here. And it depends also how much time the publisher gives us for it. Say it's, it's two or three months, but sometimes it can be nine months depending on where the manuscript is. Mm. So I'll work backwards from the delivery date and I will, I will piece it out chapter by chapter. Um, if there's 
things that are due, if there's art that's due, if there's a preface due, if there's reference material due, that's got to be worked in there somehow. And I will create a schedule that I will think about a lot. And then I will send it to the author and say, this is what I think. What do you think? And what does this look like with your schedule? Because often the people I work with are entrepreneurs or they're busy producing other media. So they have a lot going on. Their lives don't stop when they're working on a book, writing it or editing it. And so sometimes that's a revelation for them that they're going to have to work this into their very busy schedule and they're not that prepared for that piece of it. So we have a conversation about that, kind of a come to Jesus moment and work out what's going to work. And, and I do work in Asana. I lay that out for myself in Asana. I find that really helpful, but I don't share that with clients. I tend to give them a simple Word document and let them put that into their own calendar or their own system, however they work. Uh, so far, I haven't worked with any author that is more tech savvy than I am, and I'm not that tech savvy. So <laughs> I, I let them work at their, their, in their technology in their way, and that has always been okay. You know, some people really rely on their calendars, so I'll send calendar invites. Some people want me to send a weekly reminder. That's fine. I can do that. So I work with what they feel comfortable with um, because the process can be quite a lot of work and quite overwhelming. And so I try to handle the tech part of it so that they don't feel like they have to be on top of that as well. Nice. I love yes. that. So what does the communication piece look like throughout this process? Is it mostly email? Are you hopping on Zoom? Are you hopping on Skype? Yeah. So it really depends on the author and what they're comfortable with. They're, uh, the last client I worked with, we had one hour Zoom sessions for 10 months, oh. almost uh, sometimes as often as every week. And it wasn't a ghostwriting project. It was a development editing project. So I would edit, I would edit her chapters. I would edit her material. I would send it back to her and then we would talk about it. And that's not uncommon that she, she was not okay with just having notes from me or suggestions. And I really edited that heavily moving stuff around. I think I touched every word in that manuscript at least three times. <laughs> and, uh, that, but, but she really needed the visual. She needed to see me and she needed to hear me explain what I was talking about before she could go into the chapter and understand the notes and make the changes. Some people are okay with just looking at the, the document. And I work in Word and in track changes, which has not been updated in a, such a long time. It's <laughs> um, like from, I don't know when it's from, I couldn't even say, I would say the 90s if I had to guess. But there isn't anything else out there. There's Google Docs. It's not as good for editing, in my opinion. Um, and track changes is just not that comfortable for people outside mm -hmm. of the editing world. But I haven't find, found a better solution. So it's not that surprising that this author really wanted me to give verbal feedback as well. But that's a lot more intensive for me. Yeah. Have you ever had an editing project go off the rails? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I will say this. Everyone's book is a really sensitive project. Yeah. They are very, it's incredibly intimate, incredibly intimate. So the chances that I'm going to hurt their feelings or offend them are fairly high, even if I do my best to 
um, make it clear that we're a team and I'm, I want to do what's best for their book and I'm on their side and, um, I want them to realize their dream as much as they do. Like I really go to great lengths to make them feel comfortable and that, that I'm in it for them. But it is not that fun to be edited. I've been edited myself. I mean, I'm a writer, so I get edited. And I know what that's like. You're, you're, this primal part of your brain is saying, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm trying to say. And you just feel protective of your work. So um, it can happen that, like there was one writer I worked with, a beautiful writer. I really admired her work. I was really excited to work on her book. And when she got notes back from me, she found, she felt attacked, mm -hmm. which was horrifying for me. And that took some time to talk through. And I actually don't think it actually went away for the entire project. She just felt like I was too hard on her. And, you know, for me, I have to sit back and think, okay, was I too hard? And if so, where, and what could I do that would make her feel more comfortable? And am I, you know, I have to really interrogate myself too and see if there's anything going on with me and the, and the manuscript. But usually it's just about where we connect or we have not connected or there's something going on for them that I don't understand and I need to speak to that and find a better process to work with. So sometimes it takes more phone calls or doing a Zoom so they can see me and see that I'm a regular human being and that I'm really not trying to do anything weird with their manuscript. Um, thankfully, there hasn't been a situation where I had to abandon a project that mm. is like my... I would never want to do that. My aim is to take people all the way through the process to the end, to the completion. And, and my orientation is that we will get there. Whatever bumps we, we bump into, we're going to get there. I love that you shared that piece of a project going off the rails because, you know, I think we think of project management as something very objective, something cut and dry. We get these tasks done. I keep the thing on schedule and all is good. But there can be with any kind of work process, any kind of creative process, certainly that emotional component to it. And I love that you shared that process of self-interrogation and kind of looking at, you know, how did I contribute to this? How did I not contribute to this? Um, how can I do this better? How can I get their buy-in in a different way um, to really think through the emotional component of project management? Um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your book coaching and how that process differs for some, from something like editing. What does your typical book coaching engagement look like? Uh, so book coaching is a lot less structured than editing. It's really the way that I see it or the way that I've worked at it so far. And I have to say things develop. So I get ideas as I'm coaching people is people have an idea and they want to make it into a book. And I think it's a good idea and could also be made into a book. And we meet over several weeks to try to, push this idea forward. Now, I hesitated even to say the word push because it's not about pushing at all. It's about a, a creative meeting of, uh, it's really a creative meeting where they speak out what they're thinking and I reflect it back to them mm -hmm. in a way that has a slight change to it or it's more oriented towards a book. So an idea isn't necessarily a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they need sometimes 
a reframe or a redirection, or then you need to ask questions in order to push it in that direction of a book. So I'm not giving them deadlines the way that I would when I'm editing a project, except that I do want them to get to a place where their idea is ready to become a, a book. So they're ready to start writing or they're re- ready to start a proposal or something. I do want them to get there. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have in my mind. But the process, it's much more, it's much squishier. It's much like, okay, let's go on the tangent and see what's happening here. Let's go down this road, see what's happening there. I'll give them assignments to do in between our calls to, if we've come across something really juicy, say, okay, there's something here. This is a hot spot. I want you to go and write, like write a letter to your best friend about this subject and then come back and tell me like, what was your insight? Because often they'll write the letter and have a completely different insight and that will be the key to us going forward. So I'm looking for a door in for us so that we can go to the next place. So the only structure in that is keeping the weekly calls or sometimes biweekly. Um, that's really and giving assignments, but the assignments I give have to do with what I hear coming up in the moment. So it's not like I have a program, mm-hmm. like first we'll do this and then we'll do that, which is what I do in my group work. I know we're going somewhere. I know it has to be done. In the coaching part, I really let people be in the creative sandbox. I want them to be there and come into their idea from a creative lens rather than from a productive lens. You'll hear more about how Joelle manages the creative process in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you've already started growing an audience through social media, an email list, YouTube channel, or maybe a podcast. That's what I did, too. I gathered an audience around my blog, social content, and this very podcast. But it always felt a little flat, a little one-sided, like I was shouting out into the ether, hoping someone would respond. And even though I knew thousands of people were paying attention, I didn't always feel connected to them. And if I'm not connected to them, it's hard to create content and offers that serve them. Then I found Mighty Networks. What makes a Mighty Network different from anything else available is the way that it connects my people, not just to me and my content, but to each other, all in one place, under my brand, on every device. And that means that my community on my Mighty Network gets more valuable to every member with each new person who joins. And not only do I have 100% access to each and every one of my members, unlike on some other platforms, but a Mighty Network is designed to spark connections and conversations between my members. So they build relationships with each other and not just with me. A Mighty Network can do this for you too. Once you're connected to your audience, you'll start to see exactly how you and your business can help. You'll notice exactly what they need from you to take the next step, make a change, and transform their lives. Truly connecting with your audience is good for business, and it's good for them too. Intrigued? It's time to get started with Mighty Networks. You can start your Mighty Network free of charge by going to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. What Works is also brought to you by Bench Tax. Will you be getting the most out of every dollar you spent in 2019? Are you prepared to make the most of every dollar you're spending in 2020? 
And even more importantly, do you have a partner who can make understanding your business tax deductions as simple and carefree as possible? This year, Bench can help you do it all. Bench is the people-powered bookkeeping solution that helps you get the most out of every dollar you spend on your business. But now, Bench has gotten even better. Now you can work with Bench to not only make sure your books are in order and your business finances are managed, but your business taxes are filed too. From start to finish, Bench Tax gives you a centralized all-in-one tax filing solution. You'll have your own totally aligned and super smart team to get you through tax season without the stress. And you'll rest assured knowing that you're getting the most out of every dollar this year. Plus, Bench Tax is a fast and affordable way to make sure your taxes are handled. To get started with Bench, go to explorewhatworks.com slash bench. That's explorewhatworks.com slash bench. Finally, I want to share something we've been working on to help you develop your CEO habits. What's a CEO habit? Well, simply, they're the habits that make you an effective leader as a business owner. They're the habits that save you time, make you money, and spread your impact over the long term. Now, unfortunately, we often end up getting so caught up in the work we do, building products or delivering services, that we ignore those CEO habits, and it costs us big time. Without strong CEO habits, we end up spinning our wheels or even burning out. The most important CEO habit, and perhaps the habit that every other CEO habit boils down to, is noticing and prioritizing what works for you and your business. And yet, instead of noticing and prioritizing what works for us, we get pulled in a million different directions by shiny objects, seemingly urgent emails, and an ever-changing marketplace. When you build your CEO habits, you cultivate focus, you prioritize productive action, you let go of false priorities, you find your confidence. Now, in just a couple of weeks, What Works is rolling out a brand new experience designed to help you solidify your habit of paying attention to what works for you, connect you with other small business owners doing the same, and develop the confidence you need to truly lead your business. It's called 100 Days of What Works. Each weekday, over 100 days, you'll receive a prompt experiment or assignment so you can start your day focused on what works for you. Each day's task will take 20 minutes or less to complete, so your new CEO habit can fit easily into your morning routine or daily workflow. Each week, you'll spend one day focused on marketing and sales, one on product and business model development, one on money, one on operations, and one on mindset. Plus, you'll have the chance to share your work and reflections in a private area inside the WhatWorks network. We're putting the finishing touches on 100 days of what works right now. So if you're ready to prioritize what works for you and your business in 2020, you'll want to get on our waiting list. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash 100. That's explorewhatworks.com slash the number 100. Enter your name and email address and we'll be in touch with the details very soon. Okay. So as, as someone who has done quite a bit of coaching over the last decade, I find these projects to be incredibly difficult to manage (laughs) because (laughs) they are, to use your word, squishier, right? They are lacking structure. It's one thing to manage a project that has 
that has structure and that has deadlines and particular pieces that need to be completed. It's another thing to manage an engagement that's based on the creative process um, and based on, yes, a goal, but a pretty nebulous goal at Mm -hmm. that. How do you personally, like internally for yourself, keep that engagement on track or moving forward? Like, what do you use to actually manage that relationship with your client? Oh, it's such a good question. Um, I, I really think about, is this still a viable idea? Mm. If if we've been working together for eight weeks and I'm still not seeing a viable idea, then I'm starting to think about, okay, maybe this could be, maybe this is not going to be a book and it's going to be something else. Maybe this is going to be an article or a series of articles or a podcast or maybe it's some other form of media, but it's not a book. And it needs to – the person still really wants to get this material into the world, but I don't think it's going to be a book in this moment. Um, But sometimes it can be – so that's an idea level problem. But sometimes it can be a schedule problem. Mm. Like they're just too busy to – to get to get into and stay in the flow of that book idea to get it to that place. And then we have to have a talk about if they have time to do this book and if it's something that is really a priority for them. And that's a really hard conversation because of course they want the book. Everyone wants the book, but it might not be practical. It might not be something that actually their actions are showing that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had situations with coaching clients where we did not get to a place where the book was really fully formed, but they did take the next step. And in the next step, because there was more pressure, so it wasn't as squishy, they were able to find the idea and then go forward from there. So sometimes I have to nudge people out of the nest. Sometimes I have to have a hard conversation with them. And sometimes it just naturally peters out. They come to the end of that or they realize they need to move on to something else. And that's where it goes. And I'm open to all things happening. I think it's all part of moving an idea forward, finding out what it is and finding out what it wants to be. Yeah, I love that. Okay, let's look at the sort of the, not the last, but the other piece of your business model, which is your group program, um, specifically Book Proposal Academy. First, why don't you tell us what Book Proposal Academy is? Yeah, so Book Proposal Academy is a 14-week program. It's actually a little bit more than that, but 14, week of live, 14 weeks of live classes uh, where I lead a small group of people, about five to ten people, step-by-step through the process of creating a book proposal. We start with, is your idea really working? Is this really a book idea? And we go all the way to the end, which, what I think of the end as, here's how you query an agent or editor. Here's how you write mm. that letter. And um, in that process, we... We have a Slack group. We meet on Slack to exchange ideas, to um, give an assignments, to share resources. And um, we have a lot of back and forth during the week when we're not on the, on the live call. So the live call is the class. And then the assignments are due every week. And right now I'm in the middle of a book proposal academy. And we've just gotten through the marketing section. We're headed into the writing section. And everyone's a bit like, wait, where did the time go? <laughs> we're, we're at week nine, but we're not even started yet. <laughs> 
which is very different from when I'm talking to people about taking the class and they think, well, four months, that's a really long time. But when we get halfway through, three quarters of the way through, people are wondering how they're going to finish because there isn't enough time. So we go step by step through the process of creating a book proposal. And I've heard from many people that they've tried to do it on their own and were not successful. And I'm not surprised because a book proposal is not a natural thing to write. It's a sales document and it's a particular sales document. I even have someone right now in BPA who is a businesswoman. She's written lots of RFPs and white papers and whatever. And I said, oh, you don't need to take this. Just here, I'll give you the framework. Go, go off, write the book proposal, come back, I'll look at it. And she did that and she came back and she said, no, I can't do this. I need to be in the academy and do it. I need guidance. I need to go step by step and I need your feedback all the way along. So it's uh, the aim of the program is to get people to have a finished, polished book proposal they can send out to agents and editors and one that I think is going to get attention and going to get a book deal. So I only take people who I think have a chance at that because I don't want to disappoint anybody you're right (laughs) okay so it's it sounds like book proposal academy essentially is the work of managing a book project boiled down or, or it's like it's the essence of project management when it comes to putting together a book proposal like you said it's a step-by-step process there are certain sections that go in every book proposal and everyone in the class needs to finish each of those pieces what have you learned sort of about project management as a whole or as a discipline from crafting this experience that is the book proposal academy Yeah, that's another really great question. So going step by step is extremely helpful. It it really gives people guardrails to lean on. It gives me also a sense of expectation of where we're going to be and what's going to happen. And it's a container. For me, it's quite easy to set up the project. I understand what's going to happen each week. I can keep track of everyone's work. I mean, it is a lot of organization, but that's something that comes fairly naturally to me to be taking an assignment and putting them in a folder and then making a version that's my comments and sending them back. That flow for me is really, it's time consuming, but it's not a problem. What happens on their side is they, from my observation, they start strong, they're delivering every week, and then there's a slowdown. And that actually, it's fine because what's happening is they're thinking a lot about what they're needing to do Mm -hmm. and they're putting in that work to get it done well. So they start missing their assignment dates. So they start falling out of the structure or falling out of the project management, but they're not actually falling out because they're just in their creative process. So then my job becomes gentle reminders. This is the time where we are in the timeline and this is where we're trying to go. People also have very busy lives Um, But it's also a good opportunity to say if you're writing a book, your life doesn't change and you still are going to have lots of demand. So you're going to have this problem also when you're writing your book. So this is a good training ground for that. Um, When people start to get really behind, if they're three assignments behind, that's when I might uh, have a chat with them and say, let's see what we can do to get you on track. So I don't want them to get so far off into their creative process that they can't come back because mm-hmm. there is a point where you lose motivation and you think, well, I'm just so far behind. What's the point? And really, that's never true in the Book Proposal Academy. You're never too far behind to catch up or 
finish the project, but it can feel that way. So there comes a psychological barrier. So then I step in and try to, to get them back back involved, uh, back on Slack, chatting with us. Sometimes people just need to say, this is what's outstanding. And then suddenly they start handing in everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so it's just like they were keeping the secret to themselves. They didn't want to admit it. And then as soon as they admit it, they're like, oh, actually, no, I can, I can, I can get a draft done. So it is a matter of real structure and discipline on the one hand, uh, because we want to reach that goal. And I don't want to be going on forever with Book Proposal Academy. It has to end for me too. Mm -hmm. And then allowing for people to have their process somewhat and then try to also nudge them along so that they reach the end because I want them to reach the end. I want them to finish their book proposals. I want them to send their books out into the world. I want them to succeed. You know, it's fun for me. <laughs> so, so it's a little bit of both. Of, of strict deadline management and allowing people to go where they need to go and then bringing them back in. I love it. I'm sure that, again, a lot of people can relate to that. And I'm sure also that that idea of balancing the structure with the flow, letting people kind of letting them have their slow down, bringing them back in, that's going to help a lot of people with the way they manage their own projects um, and with the way they manage their clients as well. Uh, so you mentioned that you use Slack with the Book Proposal Academy. What other kinds of software and tools are you using in that program? Yeah, it's it's very simple. I use I use Asana for myself to to uh, piece out the syllabus, mm -hmm. and then I print that. I print it as a PDF, and then I send it to them. I, I I had tried using Asana as a project management tool for the class, and it was just too too difficult for people to learn um, as a one off thing. Mm -hmm. So Slack is better for that. For myself, I plan it out in Slack, and then um, also very simple. Word doc or Google Docs, um, uh, Zoom, and that's it. Nice. <laughs> very simple. Very, very simple. Again, the tech part of it is something that my clients don't want to deal with so much, so not too many moving pieces, and they're not going to be up at a place where they, they can take in another thing to learn. They just want to do the work and then get the lessons. I love I that. I mean, admit, admittedly for me, it's an ongoing process of finding the right combination. Mm -hmm. like what's the simplest thing? I love that. I think so many people think that project management is about like the particular tool that you use and all the complexities that you can build into it. Like I think, you know, you know, my team is really excited about Notion and there's lots of people in our community that are really excited about Notion. And there's all sorts of incredibly complicated things you can do with Notion. And also like you can just keep it really simple. And if simple, <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be hard for it to be effective. Right. Yeah. I think that has been a big takeaway for me. I know. Uh, I, I know I can learn systems, but I know I don't want complicated things. Mm. And my clients really don't want complicated things. So simpler is better for me always. Love it. Joelle, what are you excited about right now? Well, I'm excited about book proposal right now. I have some really on fire clients and they are in the middle of their process, but I know they're all going to make it to the end. And I'm, I'm actually very excited for where they're going to land their books um, I also ran a smaller program this fall where they were really on fire 
And I'm excited to see where all of those people go. That was called Develop Your Book Idea and Get Ready to Write. Cool. And the final thing I'm excited about is that in my efforts to help my clients, I've been reaching out to agents and editors just to make alliances. And in that process, someone asked me about my book and I sent it to her and said, well, you know, the sales part of it's out of date. The narrative arc works. So take it at that. And she said, fine, send it to me. And she wrote back right away saying, this is really great. I want to see your sample chapters. So I'm excited to write my own book. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for you, too. <laughs> Thanks. Do- Joelle Han, thank you so much for this conversation and shedding some light on how you manage what has got to be just the absolute most massive of projects writing a book. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Find out more about Joelle Han and Brooklyn Book Doctor at brooklynbookdoctor.com. Next week, you'll hear how Christina Shawley sets expectations and manages communication with her CFO and cash flow analysis clients. We also talk about how she personally manages such detailed, high stakes work. What Works is a production of Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance provided by Kristen Runbeck. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Want more of what works in your life and business? Each week, I send out a free curated newsletter with my handpicked resources for building a business that works better. To get your free copy of What Works Weekly, go to explorewhatworks.com. That's explorewhatworks.com.